Welcome to You Should Watch This Documentary, a podcast about documentaries you should watch, obviously, with your host, Adam Todd Brown, Jess McDonald, and Ron Rock. Hey everybody, welcome to You Should Watch This Documentary, a podcast about cars. And documentaries. <laughs> we'll get to talking about cars at some point. Mon Rock is here. Hello. Mon Rock was just on Conan. Oh, yeah. I should have plugged it. Me and my no plugs ever. That's <laughs> <laughs> ah, just a minor thing. My dad recorded it on his DVR. Just so you know, he was so excited and proud that he recorded it. Yeah, we had it. We were going to DVR it, and then we just happened to be up right at the time you were going to go on because it's not I'm not going to watch the entire episode of course, of course <laughs> fast not. forward through that but it worked out congrats on that that Thank was awesome you. you were really funny Thank you. I like that you came out and right away said you weren't sure if you want to have kids <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not sure <laughs> <laughs> you'll find out soon we will see any day now <laughs> Jess is here Oh, yeah. Hi. Hey. Hello. How's it going? Good. It's been a while since we recorded. It has. This is a sporadic podcast schedule Yeah. for me. I have so many, it's hard to fit them all in. I got to find find room. I know. You have 30 a week. Yeah. It feels like that. <laughs> it feels like I record 30 podcasts a week, but it's more like 15, so it's still, fine. Still. How? Yeah. That's still a lot of time. Because I don't have anything else to do. I don't have a job. That's this is my job. That's true. So there's that. Winter's here. She's leaving. She has talked about this documentary we're about to talk about so many times. <laughs> she is fucking over it. Right, puppy? We're talking about Wild Wild Country today. Yeah. What was... This is a Duplass Brothers <laughs> documentary. I fucking love the Duplass Brothers. Do you know, is everyone familiar with the Duplass Brothers? Mm-hmm. What, what was the fucking cackle about? No. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't either. I just said it was by the Duplass brothers. Laugh again. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Uh, I du- thought that was funny for some reason. <laughs> that Mark Duplass is very funny. He's on the League, which I don't think that show's still on. My favorite show was Togetherness. Yeah, a lot of people liked I Togetherness. Sh- oh my God, I was devastated when they canceled it. I really like Room 104, which is their, it's like the Twilight Zone, but it all happens in one motel room. Oh. It's an HBO series, and the second season is coming uh, this year. It's really fucking good. Also, he made the movie Creep, which is a horror movie on Netflix, which is Mwah. Fantastic. <laughs> Wait, is this actually a Duplass Brothers documentary? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> is that why you laughed? Because you didn't believe it? No, I didn't know. I'm not very well versed in what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, that's why I brought guys, up the Duplass Brothers. <laughs> I asked you last time if you guys had seen a documentary we had already covered. Yeah. I edited that I out, have, by the way. I, you did? Oh, okay, yeah. it's back you in. You should have left it in. Well, now people know. I have no idea what we're doing. (laughs) We're talking about the Duplass Brothers documentary, (laughs) Wild Wild Country. I had no idea it was them. Hence the opening discussion. What did everyone, what was everyone's general 
thought. Well, we should give a little bit of background. It's a documentary about a commune or cult, whatever. Depends on what side you're on as to what you refer to them as. But there are a big group of like-minded individuals who descended on a very small town in Oregon and tried to turn it into a very small metropolitan city in the middle of Oregon. And it turned into a whole goddamn thing. The main guy is called the Bogwan. Which means God. I mean, it's a little arrogant. Yeah, that's a bit much. I had a cat named Dio. How are you going to call yourself God? That is. Well, I mean, there's like fucking radio hosts that call it, like Charlemagne the God. No one, we still let him be on the radio. Why can't this guy start a cult in the middle of Oregon? And call himself God. I guess that's how you. If you're if you're a god, that's how you get. I mean, a cult if you're following. in the followers game, yeah, you want to follow the guy that calls himself God. Exactly. <laughs> you don't want to follow like whatever the Indian name for Tony is or something. <laughs> that guy's got nothing to offer. Uh, my first impression of him is, as far as gurus go, best hat scarf combo yes. in the game. Yep. I would kill to have his hat maker on staff. Because he wore some very fine beanies. <laughs> sometimes sequined, sometimes they just had the sparkly thread running through them, but they always matched his scarf. He was always bundled the fuck up, no matter what time of year it was. I, I get, on that alone, I get why people are so drawn to this man. Yeah, good presentation. Yeah. Well, yeah. Deepak, same thing with Deepak Chopra and his Chanel diamond studded sunglasses that he or uh, glasses that he wears. <laughs> I didn't know he does that, but I like <laughs> Have that. Have you seen his glasses? No, but that's amazing. Oh my God, he's absurd. <laughs> no, that sounds pretty great. So what did everyone think just kind of generally of this documentary? I, I thought it was too long. Yeah, yeah, it was way too long. It could have been four episodes instead yeah. of six. Or three. Three yeah. would have yeah. been good. Three Maybe even three. Yeah. I don't know. I'm so conflicted about this stuff because there's so many of these charlatan guru guys in India running around. It's kind of the world's oldest scam. So I didn't really, as an Indian person, find it as shocking as everyone else did. Right. Um, and if... If you think of the counterculture in this country that started in the 60s and 70s, we talked about it on the episode about the deprogrammed documentary. Yep. Their whole shit was just following under the, the sway of these guru types who turned out to be like borderline fascists and just really awful people. So yeah, it's it really shouldn't surprise anyone that right. this happened. Also... Where were his Indian followers? Right, it was all white people except for the one Indian woman. Yeah. I think they kind of explained that at one point. But it started in India, right? It started in India, and then at one point in the documentary, there's this investigative reporter who goes to India and finds that in India, this guy was, like, he was basically run out of India, I think they said, because there were all of these corruption and scandal charges. But then he goes back to India at the end. It's really confusing. I don't know. I so that's the end of the documentary. Thanks, guys. Uh, he was doing all that sex stuff, which probably wasn't going to fly with Indian people. So I think they pushed him out. Isn't the Kama Sutra Indian? Yeah, but no one's <laughs> really doing that. <laughs> and not so openly, at least. Yeah. yeah. That's not a public thing? Weird. <laughs> Jess, what did you think of? I... Again, I wasn't surprised really either. If it wasn't going to be him, it was going to be a different guru. Like it was going to happen. Somebody was going to be make it big and 
chaos was going to ensue. But I was sort of on their side for some of what they were doing. Not we'll get into all of the stuff they do. I'm not advocating for the terrible things they did to people. But it's also like maybe if Oregon had just let them alone and let them go do their thing over in the country, nothing else would have happened after that. And it wouldn't have been a story. Yeah. I don't understand why the peop- they were so concerned, that town. Because there was a look in their eye. Yeah, I mean, they weren't bothering them. Let people live their lives. Right. Yeah, I think that's kind of the central argument here is should these people have just been left alone to do what the fuck they wanted or were there legitimate concerns? Because I think that even if it wasn't a genuine motivation, I think at one point the townspeople do come up with a valid argument for why at least why the community they're building probably shouldn't be built where it's being built. And I think they came up, even if it wasn't their motivation, I think they did at one point come up with a decent argument for it, but we'll get to that. The thing, the thing I, I wonder is how, if you lived in a small town and your whole goal was, look, I'm tired of the fucking city. I'm tired of having all these fucking people around me. I just want to move to a tiny town. And by tiny town, you mean 20 people. That's literally how many people right. were in the town. And they just pass around mayorship yeah. from one person to yeah. the next. Yeah, yeah. they just draw hat, draw names out of a You're hat the to decide the mayor. Like, how, regardless of what the, the ethnic background or religious background or anything of the people were, do you think you'd be a little upset if a huge group of people showed up right next to your tiny, quiet existence where you were expecting there to never be people? Yeah, probably. Maybe I'd be a little bit upset, but since they were doing so much agriculture stuff, it's like, well, at least contribute to the farmer's market, maybe, you know, like, yeah, bring some nice eggs and it'll be kind of OK. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Did they not do that? I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't eat those eggs. No. But we'll get to that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of the central problem here. Is it's it, it becomes a showdown between these people in this town. One of the first people we meet is Sheila. Yes. Who is the Bogwan's personal secretary. And she is a fascinating She's and- basically my aunt. My mom has four <laughs> sisters. One of them is this uh, hardcore, just she's kind of she's militant. I mean, she sleeps with a gun next to her bed. Wow. I remember going up and going to India, and I was like, Masi, what do you have this gun for? She's like, to kill naughty people. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. And one time, this drunk guy like stumbled into her onto her property, and she just shoots the gun up into the air. I mean, she was, I mean, she's Sheila. <laughs> yeah, she is. And she's a lesbian. I mean, she's just Sheila is is very militant. Yes. Yeah, she's not a lesbian. Yeah, maybe not that we don't that we know of. I'm gonna vote bisexual. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, but she was way into the Bogwan. Yes, and he he makes her his personal secretary. And depending on what dude you ask, everything goes wrong when she shows up. Like every, that's they 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 say that in the first episode yeah. they're interviewing I don't remember who they're interviewing but this guy like one of the townspeople is just like when she showed up is when the problem started. I wonder if it was her plan from the be- beginning. Like I wonder if she met Bhagwan and was like, "Wow, I could really make an ass out of this guy." Yeah, it could be. 
I, I feel like there's at least a few characters in this that were probably sent there by the CIA or something. <laughs> but I have a very conspiratorial <laughs> mind frame. I host a conspiracy podcast, so I've read some shit. <laughs> so... Uh, so yeah, Sheila shows up and they, they kind of introduce her at first, but then they cut to his time in India and they just cover like his meditation practice, which I don't, should we go through the four steps? Uh, I don't know if, uh, <laughs> uh, if first you want to try some rigorous breathing, both um, of okay. you. I'm all set. No? No, I'm not okay. into it. They did it, but we'll fast forward. Uh, <laughs> next I need you both to explode. Done. Yeah. And then who? And then my favorite part, silence. See, this is the thing. Well, how'd you fuck that part up? Sorry. <laughs> Go on. You can do any of these series of, of uh, you know, breathing exercises and movements. Did you see that documentary, Kumari? I did not. Okay, so this Indian guy. I don't guy, really watch this, documentaries. This, okay, this Indian. I just want to make sure we didn't cover it. <laughs> <laughs> this Indian guy from Boston, or I don't know where he's from, he goes to India, he grows a beard, he decides to uh, become one of these gurus or swamis and uh, come back and fake white people out. And he starts a whole cult. And he's just doing made-up, uh, you know, meditation practices yeah. and and movements with you know his hands and just <laughs> doing kind of whatever i'm and, kind of into it and like, people just awesome. people just get into it and it helps them you you see these people go on a journey and it's not even about you know uh, the specific movements it's just about connecting to something and like letting your mind go i right. mean so i don't know it works it, yeah I mean, it it works. Which part works? Like starting a cult works, or no? Like uh, it, it the meditation. Yeah, works. it does help yeah. people. Yeah, it helps people get out of their heads. Yeah, I've it always I've know. always heard really good things about meditation. So I don't I don't doubt that. I've never tried it, but maybe so I should. I'm just saying, Let's do it now. Even even if his methods or Bhagwan's methods weren't the traditional methods. They are still, you know, it's still having an effect on folks. Right. It's just getting out of your head. Yeah. yeah. And they had they had a, a way they phrased it, but I forgot what it was. But yeah, they also uh, they introduce. Oh, I forgot one of my favorite things about the Bhagwan is the way he says words that end in S. Because man, he draws that shit out. <laughs> like if he was introducing this podcast, he would be like Mon Rock Jess. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. so creepy. <laughs> Every fucking word that ends in S, he goes. <laughs> Which I wonder if that's just the way he talks or if he was just like brainstorming guru ideas and like, what kind of quirks nice, can I he's have? He's playing the character. Yeah. I mean, he, he's playing it very effectively. You know, because, he's trying to be captivating. Yeah. He, he certainly is. is. Yeah. yeah, he's a really interesting guy to watch do things. Yeah, I mean, people would show up to watch him sit in silence. Like he had to have some sway over these. Well, people. you have to have a way about you. I grew. I grew up. Uh, what was my Swami's name? Uh, going to the Hindu temple, Swami Dirananda, and he was. You couldn't do anything else when he was in the room. I mean, he was incredible. But you're meant to just, you know, live in the ashram, 
have people bring you food, and it's not supposed to be a mercenary thing. Right. So that's the problem I had with it. <laughs> I like that you started drinking before the last one. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, they also, in the first episode, introduce his personal lawyer, who, man, does he love that guy. He cries so much okay, through very emotional I was in love with that guy. What an honest man. Yeah. He was I don't know if this community still exists, but he yeah, definitely He was committed. Built he was one of such, the houses they lived in. Such do- a loyal follower. Yeah. I mean Yeah, he was way he into was incredible. It. But he's also a lawyer. Yeah. And I think near the end he really starts becoming like the lawyer side of him starts coming out. Yeah. Near the end. But yeah, he was he was a really engaging character, and I get why he was the one they interviewed the most. Probably. How about that sweet Muppet guy in the overalls? He was my favorite. Oh, Do you know yeah. what I'm talking about? The guy who ended up like spying on him <laughs> yeah, a little bit at yeah. one point. Yeah, he, he was so cute. He was so excited about everything. He's yeah. just happy to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Like the way he ends up spying on them, I don't think I even have it in the notes, so we can He goes through talk the trash. And the first thing he sees in the trash is a poster, and he the first thing he says is, oh, I thought that would be neat to have. So I feel like he kind of was like... He still has it hung up on his wall. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he was just waiting to see how things shook out, and then he would just go live with them if he had yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. He, he was, seemed kind he was of fairly unbiased, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, the first episode ends. The Bhagwan takes a vow of silence and heads off to America. And I love that part, because there's all these Americans and Europeans who are like, I showed up to hear this guy talk, and he stopped talking and went back to America. Right. And I was like, well, that's what you fucking get for flying to India to hear a dude talk. And that one lady who'd been there for four years with her family, and she's like, and then he just left. Then he was <laughs> he was gone. I didn't know if he'd ever come back. I, I He was gone. It's like, oh. <laughs> he was gone. He was really gone. I would argue he was always gone. Yeah, that's true. They So in episode two, they start trying to set up the city, the city of Rajneeshpuram. Did I, did I pronounce that right? Sure. Probably. Uh, we find out only 150 people are needed to start your own city. Which is good to know. I feel like we should start a city with the community of Unpops listeners. <laughs> I was into it until you, until you co-opted the S's. Uh, well, I'm not building it like these crazy people. No, did. we're gonna find other people to build it. It's <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, we're not no. getting our you, hands dirty. You have to get investors. <laughs> yeah, or just labor. Yeah. <laughs> if people will just invest labor, that would be good enough. So hit us up on uh, Twitter or Facebook if you want to help us build a city, <laughs> the city of Unpops. <laughs> no, not you too. <laughs> They also, uh, they decide they're going to self-govern this city, which, uh-oh, government doesn't like that when people try to set shit up like that. But if it's your own city, of course you should be able to self-govern it. And they, they kind of do. In this episode, we meet Ma Prem Sunshine, who is the first woman with solid gray hair I've ever had a crush on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she is fantastic. Uh, also probably kind. She She's uh, still a very devoted follower. She seems... She seemed the most off her rocker the whole time to me. Like, from the beginning, as soon as she came on, I was like, very pretty, very nuts, definitely nuts. 
Yeah, she definitely bought into it. Yeah. For sure. But so far in this, it, when I'm watching it, I'm like, this just sounds like the fucking dream. Just going to the middle of nowhere and setting up your own thing where you can all live the way you want to live. Like, this documentary is conflicting in that way because it, for a lot of it, I just sort of felt like, yeah, you're doing the right thing. And they weren't really doing anything wrong. No, they were doing things kind of by the letter of the law. Yeah. Yeah. Like getting enough votes to actually set up the city because they could have just been like, this is a city now and right. just put their own government in place. And we could be like, we don't recognize that government. And they'd be like, we have guns now. <laughs> Who cares? But they at least tried to stay within the framework of the law. Right. But it's the people in the surrounding towns. Antelope, yeah. Yeah, when they start setting up, because they build this really impressive compound out of nothing. Like, they buy something like 68,000 acres of completely unused land, which if it's there being unused... Then why don't you use it for something good? Yeah, what's the fucking harm? Right. Antelope. And, like, they have a, they have a pizza place... They have a boutique that sells nothing but fucking red clothes. <laughs> they, have, they have a lab so they can poison people. They do have a lab. They weren't as open about that at first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They weren't really like, here's up. our pizza parlor. Here's our salmonella lab. <laughs> Join us. Yeah, the, the lab is a problem. But beyond that, this place seems pretty cool Right. at first. And they also make a great point that all this land they're on was, up to this point, completely unused. And they turn it into viable farmland. And fucking animals start coming back, which that's dope because you can eat them too. Like, it becomes this completely self-sustaining thing where there was previously nothing. And I felt like they deserve some sort of, like, credit for that. Yeah, because, they, like they said, they built an oasis in the desert. Like, they really did that and I don't know why anybody could be mad about that like you brought back life to somewhere where there was no well, life people What's the were problem? mad that they weren't living the lifestyle yeah these, that they you know these were devout Christians and yeah the fear of the unknown right. is an important and they were hearing sex noises in the middle of the night so that was <laughs> yeah that was unsettling I would not have cared for that either I'm quite conservative <laughs> That's understandable. That yeah, they the people. Well, the in between this, the Bhagwan comes back, and there's this scene where he shows up, and he's still in his vow of silence. So he just sits there, and I feel like that's when I would have been like, "No, I got to go," because this silence is uncomfortable. I can't be in the same room. Like if if we had to take a ten minute break in the podcast, I'd turn this fucking TV on. So there was noise. Well, then here. you have the problem. There's nothing wrong with silence. I sit in silence all day. Maybe the Bhagwan is what I need. <laughs> <laughs> you might. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he comes back. And then this is when they start interviewing the, the town, townsfolk. And one guy does literally say, well, it's the unknown that I fear. Like, I don't know what they're up there doing. Why do you need to know? Yeah, that's... You don't know what your neighbor is doing at all hours. Why do you care about your town's neighbors and what they're doing? And, and it how... Actually, how many miles... It was a f quite a few miles away, wasn't it? Didn't they say it was a 25-minute drive? It was like 19 miles. Oh, least. so... Yeah. I mean... So let them live. And here's the thing. If it had been like a right-wing militia type, would they have been that mad? Because I don't think they would. 
Yeah, I don't. I honestly think if it was just a bunch of crazy white people, they'd have been like, that's what people move to this area for, to be able to do what they want. Right. And they're like, oh, wait, some of them aren't white. No, 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 no. (laughs) No, thank you. But I I honestly don't think they would have been as up in arms if it was because that's like fucking militia country. Right. Up in, in the upper northwest, especially like Idaho, those areas. So many fucking militia groups. But you move one group of motherfuckers who like to meditate and hop around. I thought it was crazy because really everyone, pretty much everyone was white, though. Right. Yeah. I've never seen white people get this bad about other white people <laughs> living nearby. Well, because they were following a person who wasn't white. Yeah. I think was in all of the, most of the spokespeople for this group. Like it's one, they're all white, but they're also following Sheila and the Bhagwan. And Sheila is, she says some shit in interviews. She is. But I feel like she also kind of did them a disservice. Yeah, of course she did. Because at some point they stopped trying to play nice with the politics and start being like, all right, we will kill you all. Right. And I feel like they could have maybe been nice for a little bit longer and see where that got them first. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. So there, there's a bunch of interviews with the townsfolk. One guy, there's a reporter says, so your quiet lives are pretty much destroyed. And the guy goes, Oh, absolutely. And I guess I can sympathize with that part, but, but not so much if they're 19 miles away, but there's some cafe that becomes a sticking point. I think they start, I think they like bought or took over a cafe in Antelope and started coming there a lot. And people were like, get these street toughs out of our neighborhood, please. (laughs) And, but when things really go off the rails is when they take out the ad, they take out an ad in a national magazine, uh, all about basically fuck marriage, just fuck whoever you want. Uh, all of that is bullshit. And that's when the townspeople really lose their shit. Yep. Yeah. Because they're like, well, I don't know what they're doing up there, but I know they don't believe in marriage. It's like, so fucking what? Right. Like, they were, what but Bhagwan was, was sending some of them to uh, get married in, in other states and, and then return. Yep. So they could, I guess, legally stay in, in the in the U.S. Yeah. It turns into a big immigration scam yeah. right, at one point. So they kind of believed in marriage. Yeah. Get at off their back, a, dude. enough for the card. Yeah. So, yeah, that's when, that's when we meet Margaret Hill, the poor mayor of Antelope, who she's a piece of shit, but she's a piece of shit who's been thrown into a situation she definitely never expected. Yeah. Like she was expecting to govern a town of 20 people. And thousands of Rajnishis show up. And you know, it makes like, life fuck. a little bit exciting. Yeah, I mean, at least it gives her something to do. Right. Let's her be all hateful on TV and interviews <laughs> and things. Who doesn't want a little bit of that in their life? And so would, it, would either of you want a job like that? Like if you moved to a small town and they were like, hey, want to be mayor? I don't like do jobs, so yeah, that was my answer. I'd be like, can I do it from home? Yeah. <laughs> I like to be in charge, so actually, yes, I'd be really into it. Yeah, I can see that side of it, too. Yeah. Uh, if you give me a little bit of control, I feel like then I have a sense of purpose and it gets me up in the morning. So I, if I move to a small town, they're like, hey, be the mayor. I'd be like, okay, cool. Yeah. Now I, s- now I can wake up at six for a reason, not just to twiddle my thumbs. Thank you. I can see that side of it, too. That's the middle of the night, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Did anyone feel the earthquake we had last night? No. I had a dream we had an earthquake. I didn't know it really We happened. had an actual earthquake. It was <gasps> like a so cool. magnitude 4.5 or oh, something. Oh, that's less cool. I didn't feel it either. I was I fell asleep on the couch. <gasps> and that couch is a fucking boulder. It's never going to move. <laughs> but yeah, we had a fucking earthquake last night. Yeah, I sleep. If I ever w- w- wake up at six, I take a sleeping pill. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> 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 that seems late to take yeah. a sleeping pill. <laughs> So at one point, this mayor gets a bunch of letters from all over the world warning about this guy. And that's when my government censors start going off because I'm like, that's the CIA sending her letters and saying all this shit. Because that's what she ends up basing a lot of what she does next on is she's like, well, I've heard things from people in other countries about what's happening there. And it's like, but you're not up there. You don't know what's happening up there. You could just go there. Right. I mean, they might spray you with automatic weapons but it, like at this point they hadn't even bought guns yet no they would have just said hi i feel like they would have probably welcomed her yeah at this point maybe yeah. maybe tried to integrate her yeah into the cult that would have been a good idea is it a cult Did, does anyone think this is a cult i mean cult like uh, in nature but i didn't really see it at, view it as a cult like other things. like religion then yeah. religion is a cult as well how do you define well, that's a, cult? yeah that's a thing you know if you go to church uh, you know with the same people then that's a cult also right yeah i think the commune aspect of it is what makes it feel different for people when it's it's one thing if a lot of people like scientology is a cult but a lot of scientologists just live out in the world and do their own shit right i think it's the living in a commune and things like that that make it feel different Right. For people. I, I I would say it's a cult, but I don't always think all cults are bad. Yeah. Is the thing. Like, and uh, up to a certain point, this one did not seem that troubling. Yeah, they could have just me. carried on doing their thing, farming and sleeping around yeah. and doing whatever. Like, they're, they're fine. They just like to dance and meditate. But they got really ambitious with their plans. Yeah. And I think... I do kind of agree with the town's people to some extent that they got there and thought, well, we can fucking do whatever we want. These fucking Oregon yokels aren't going to stop us from doing anything. Yeah. Like, we're here now. There's so many of us. We're out in the middle of nowhere. What the fuck are they going to do? They did some shit. And I think uh, there's one guy. He was like, he's the fucking son of the founder of Nike. Remember that guy who yeah. was talking throughout this? He delivers a really great line though, when he says they were educated beyond their intelligence, which is a thing I think is very common with people that fall into groups like this. Just a lot of people on the left in general. There's a, I think that's definitely a thing. I lived in Madison, Wisconsin for six years. That's Madison, Wisconsin. That's people who went to college for eight years, but shouldn't have because they're not that smart. But they learn a bunch of book shit and and then think, think they're, they're smart. smart. Yeah. And I think there was some sense of that. But also I feel like this was just kind of the townspeople. I think everyone overreacts yeah. in this at some point. I think if everybody hadn't overreacted, it could have gone a lot more smoothly. Jonestown didn't help either. No. No. Jonestown happens in the middle of all this, which that's the same, same thing with the deprogram documentary. At one point... 
things are going one way and then Jonestown happens and they're like, all right, kidnap everybody. It's fine. We don't want that to happen here. And once Jonestown happens, the town is just like, fuck this. What is going on up there? And I think that's understandable, especially if you were living at that time and just because the internet didn't exist, so you only were going to get that story via your local news. Yeah, or that's late your night one news. point of reference. So, and, and then it's right next door. And you, you. want to, yeah, yeah. And then there's another group of thousands living a few miles from you. I get why that put people on edge a little bit. One thing that was crazy that after Jonestown happens, they find out the daughter of a guy who did a story about Jonestown is living at the Rajneesh ranch and they're like, see it's Jonestown up there. And it's like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Like her dad didn't go to Jonestown to fucking join. Right. He went there to do a story and they're like, (laughs) how would your father feel about this? And she was like, probably fine. Like he would have come and checked it out and saw that it was okay. And he would have supported my decision, but they use that link to tie this group to Jonestown. Which doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make well, sense. Well, if you're trying to dismantle a... Con- it totally makes sense. You, you you know, anyone would do that who was trying to take down a cult. Yeah, it, it would happen. Just compare it to the worst cult. Right. It would happen right now. Like yeah, if there was a, Like course. if we found a link like it's, that, it would be everywhere. It's uh, instinctual. And there would be half of the population that would be like, so what? That doesn't matter. And another half that would be like... Did you hear about that Jonestown cult up there? <laughs> it's just how the fucking world works. But yeah, that this is the point where the townspeople get really creative to try and shut this down because this group showed up and was like, look, we're just going to build our commune and we're going to build our farms and we're just going to be a ranching community. And then they're like, also hotels, casinos, like we're, we're going to turn this into a fucking city. And people are like, wait, can you do that? Like, are you sure the land is actually for that? And that's when this big environmental group comes in and headed by the founder of Nike, which when we get to the stuff they left out of this documentary, someone mentions him and is like, that guy was actually pretty reasonable up to a point. But they make a big deal of whether this group should for an, like what kind of environmental impact is what they're doing going to have on this what was the land um what was it meant it, it, it was a, supposed to be a, a park or something yeah. like that it was just agricultural like it wasn't supposed to be used for a city that i cuz don't you have to do city planning before you can just decide to drop one somewhere i don't know I don't know things about that. Yeah, I would think so. And there, there is a city planner that they interview throughout this. And, I mean, it obviously doesn't work because the compound doesn't go away. But it's, it's just one more thing that starts kind of soaking the tensions in this town. And is I mean, this that's the- where I would get upset, too, though, because if they're supposed to be these meditative people, they just want to live in peace and do all their farming and stuff. Cool. Then they decide they want to make a giant city with like casinos and this, that, and the other. They thing. were it's just like, okay, a well, total contradiction the yeah. whole time. I mean, they uh, Sheila was swearing 
Oh, and yeah. flicking off people. Uh, what kind of spiritual leader does that? Yeah. And even Bhagwan, he was like, she's a bitch. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, excuse you. <laughs> yeah, he does not talk kindly about her. Yeah. Which is, I mean, giveaway. That's yeah. so not the thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the point where things get really tense because I think this is the point where everyone starts overreacting. Right. Because Sheila, I think, rightly starts blaming this on religious persecution, and she calls it a pilgrim mentality, which I think was a great way to put it. Like, we were here first. Mm-hmm. Why are you here? It's like, well, because you left all that fucking space for people to come and buy, dummies. You should have bought all that first. <laughs> and I think she has a good point, but she also really ramps up the the aggression right. <laughs> in the interviews. And... I don't think she needed to because this was a case they were going to win, probably. But in response to her doing that, all the townspeople just start carrying guns. Everyone starts carrying guns. Guns are always the answer. Always a good solution. I feel like that's not accurate. (laughs) Well, it's been nice having you on this podcast, (laughs) but if you're not in line with our pro-gun position, I don't think so. Yeah, they they start just hauling guns around and then they vote to fucking dissolve the city. Like they're like a jealous goddamn stalker boyfriend about this city. Like, well, if we can't have it, no one can. We're just going to vote to end it. And they lose that vote. Yeah. Because there's not enough of them compared to all those people. And the Rajneeshis just import 3,000 homeless people (laughs) from all over the country. And yeah. try to register them as voters so they can win. Yeah, that was that's an interesting tactic for sure. They uh, well, well, that that happens later on. I think at one point they import all those homeless people to try to gain control of the town, which it's shady, but it's also perfectly legal right and then they realize hold up these people are crazy (laughs) yeah we gotta kill them (laughs) yeah but the after this uh the rajneesh win sorry i'm skipping it (laughs) (laughs) the rajneesh win this vote and the townspeople buy guns and bomb their hotel in portland which it's like okay you were you you fear the unknown and you're just worried about what these people are going to do but also you lose a local election, so you bomb a fucking hotel in Portland? Like, that's when I really started, like, almost no matter what, I was on the side of the the ranch as opposed to the people. Yeah, because that's really extreme and pretty horrible to do just because you lose one election. Like, there's always next year. Do another election. And it's such, such an ignorant... A way to approach things because it's assuming they just won't buy guns of their own. Right. And boy, did they buy guns of their own. They buy guns of their own. They set up fucking practice ranges. They Shooting make a range. big yeah. deal about telling people, okay, well, now we are becoming a military up here because you all bought guns because you lost an election. So at that point, why wouldn't they buy guns? Right. Because they've just been vindicated in court as far as their position and the response of the people around them is violence. Well, we got to start pulling out guns 
And so they buy guns in response, and all of a sudden we're like, whoa, they have guns? It's like everybody there has guns. And why wouldn't you? Right. But nevertheless, would you have bought a gun in that situation? Yeah. Yeah, see, I think so. (laughs) Yeah, I I probably would, yeah. I would have bought everybody hey, if a gun. they have guns, we have guns. This is America. Well, that's, that's how... That's the way things work. That's how nuclear weapons work. Yeah. Like, it's right. just... It's more a deterrence thing. Like, right. we have more nuclear weapons than you, so hit us with yours, and we'll hit you with all of ours, and we'll all die. <laughs> and that's, I feel like, kind of the situation that pops up here after they win that election. Yeah. Which, uh, again, a little bit of an overreaction. And... This is when Sheila starts going on TV and giving these really aggressive interviews. At, at one point, someone asked something about her buying all these guns and what happens if someone gets shot. And she goes, what can I say? Tough titties. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, don't do that. Uh, it was really funny. Though. It was very funny, yes. Uh Probably not. Real spiritual, guys. <laughs> Again, just totally doing the thing. Well, when she showed up, like right in the beginning, she was like, yeah, I'm not like I'm not into this meditation shit. Like I'm here to fucking work and uh, appreciate this dude. But fuck all these weirdos who are following him, <laughs> which was a weird stance to, to take. Me. But you never see her meditating or doing any of that. No, shit. I, I mean, I think she was at the shooting range <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> And then they hold a fucking festival there because these communes are popping up all around the world, which when I saw that, I was like, they're going to get shut down because that that that's a different thing. When it starts to become hundreds of thousands of people all over the world, yeah, every government in the world is going to start looking into that because then that starts becoming, well, are they going to and the, that's what this becomes. They're like, OK, well, they wanted the city. Then they come for the county. Then is it going to be the state? Is it going to be? So, of course, you're going to have some opposition. Right. And I don't know that they were that well prepared for it. I think they thought people were just going to be like, all right, yeah, well, come take things over. That will never happen. No. Anywhere. It, uh, it, uh, did, we, did we cover uh, Welcome to Leith? Yes. I thought we did, yeah. How are they getting new followers? Do they proselytize? Or what? what is their, I mean, how do people find out about... I think they were just sending people out into the streets to round round up. Well, I know that's how they rounded up the homeless people. Yeah, but it it probably had to be something similar, like just handing out leaflets. Yeah, like more people are paying attention once it's in the magazine. Yeah, they were getting a lot of press during this time. They still have a huge following, uh, which which baffles me. uh, Yeah, I had no idea that that this documentary was about Osho. I mean. My husband. Oh, really? Yeah, was a big fan and has read it, all of his books. Um, and he does talk a lot of sense. But uh, basically, anyone who knew anything about Osho had no idea about these years in Oregon. Really? Because that's not even, they exclude it from the book at oh, the end. That's crazy. Yeah. Seems like something you'd want to mention. I mean, not if you want to keep followers. Maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, that seems shady. Just have a blacked out spot. What are you up to, Osho? <laughs> well, this. Well, he's dead now. <laughs> well, yeah. So not much. In the physical sense. So uh, 
they, yeah, at one point they interview one of the townspeople and they say they have a concentration camp up there. It's like, do you know what a concentration camp is? Because that's not, no, that is not it at all. That is so different from a concentration camp. But that's kind of the attitude between the, the townspeople and this group at this point. And, and so this becomes more, it goes from is this a cult to is this a religion? Right. And that part becomes really important. Keep in mind, he hasn't talked this entire time, which also becomes he's not even in the do- he's not even in the documentary he's at all, barely in it. And yeah, this it's is just him <laughs> with his hands. Yeah, he barely talks until the end when he's just gacked out of his mind on opioids and shit. Yeah, which is insane. But yeah, this is the poor the part where they start bussing in the homeless people and. Oh, I like this so much. I thought every fucking minute of their interaction with the homeless people was brilliant, especially as it pertained to this town, because they were like, okay, you don't want us here. Wait till we go round up the homeless of Miami and bust them here. (laughs) Then it's going to be a whole different thing. And people were like, what the fuck is happening to our town? And these homeless people show up and we find out, like Monrock said, it's a voting ploy. Right. They're just trying to get people to move to the area. And according to Oregon law, if you've lived in the area, I think something like 30 days, you can register to vote. And yes, it's a loophole that they're exploiting. But politicians do that. Right. Hillary Clinton uh, moved. I, I don't remember where she was living, but she moved to New York so she could run. Uh, run for Senate in New York. Uh, that happens all the fucking time. People will move to whatever state they feel like they can serve their party the best. They'll move there for a couple years and run for office there. So I'm supposed to get mad at Joe Homeless from Miami for doing that and moving to Oregon. I would have fucking moved to Oregon if I was a homeless person. Right. It seemed great. Yeah, They. I mean, they did give a compelling argument to all the homeless people, and they're like, you'll have... Food, shelter, things you don't have, and like a sense of purpose in a community. Yeah, I would go too. Why would you say no to I that? I like the guy who asked the tough question, which was, is there beer? <laughs> <laughs> and can we do drugs? <laughs> there were two beers permitted. Which is trash. A day. Was this fucking Chuck E. Cheese? <laughs> yeah. They I've are. had that during my pregnancy. Yeah. That's nothing. <laughs> I drink that during a podcast, uh, usually. Yeah. It's a little early today. It's not too early. I just didn't go. Were they on something? I, I, I feel like they were. The homeless people? No, just everyone. All the, I felt like they were being medicated. Well, that does come out at one point that maybe everyone was being medicated or in some there was cases something poisoned. The, yeah. But the homeless people, definitely. They were putting... Uh, I think it was Halidol or something in their beer. They were putting a tranquilizer in their <laughs> daily beer. Which is, that's so uncomfortable. Oh, God. <laughs> Which sucks, but, but also. But a lot of them were, you know, crazy or Probably the best sleep and, they've had yeah. in years. So, yeah, that was pretty shady. So I, I had a question here, but I think we already talked about it. Like, Sheila, she's so aggressive in the interviews in this episode I, I think we all agree that wasn't a great thing. No. Like it wasn't, it was entertaining and yeah. it was fun to watch, but I think she did them a huge disservice 
when she could have just kept hitting on the, hey, we're being persecuted here. And we're being wrongly persecuted. And and they bombed our hotel and got right. guns. Like, those are good arguments. Those are very good arguments. Very but instead, she was like, no, I'm the villain. <laughs> we're going to poison all of you. Every one of you. Yeah, she goes, please, people all over the world have been poisoned. <laughs> what? That was Trump's argument oh during the campaign. Oh, my God. It's so good. That's such Indian logic. I love it. It's a good argument. People get poisoned all the time. So they send out, uh, uh, in episode four is when the salmonella outbreak happens. And right before it happens, they had sent a Wasco County inspector out to look at this place. And there's one building that they won't let him go in. And he's like, I found out later that was their lab. And the salmonella outbreak happens. And in the documentary, they cover the salmonella outbreak. And then they just kind of let it go. And the salmonella outbreak, this is actually the first place I ever heard about this story because I there's an episode of Forensic Files about... That's my favorite show. It's so good. It's so good. And the, the narrator on Forensic Files, rest in peace. He is so great. But uh, they that's where I first heard about this because they covered the salmonella outbreak on Forensic Files. And 700 people got sick. I don't remember if I don't think anyone died though. No, nobody no. died. Some uh, two older people almost died, and they were very concerned that they would, but they didn't. Well, I mean, old people—you got to expect that salmonella outbreak. It's going to be the kids and the old people, and it was all salad bars, so no kids are eating at a fucking salad bar. Ideally, there's there's one guy, James Weaver, this fucking hero. They cut to him. He's a Democratic congressman from Oregon. And as soon as this happens, he's like, it's those motherfuckers in the compound. And they're like, do you have any evidence? And he's like, no. <laughs> I just know it's them. And they show him giving this speech in front of Congress. And, and he's it, like, I have no evidence. <laughs> it's so crazy. And at first, it's they're just showing him. And then they cut to the room. There's one guy there. And he gets up and walks out. So he's delivering this address to an empty room. Everyone's like, whatever, weirdo. Those people wouldn't poison the whole town. Which, in her interviews, I think she made it clear maybe they would. <laughs> it, they could have at least looked into it a little, but they just like ostracized this guy. Like, shut up, crazy. Right. He gets vindicated in the end. Spoiler alert. Uh, so this is when the Hollywood crowd shows up. And now I have no concrete evidence, but I think this was the CIA. Because... This is what the CIA does to movements like this. They, according to the conspiracy books I read, they send people in to break things up with drugs and infighting. And that's exactly what happens yeah. when the Hollywood crowd shows up because they get the Bhagwan high, baby. So high on like Valium and laughing gas. Which that's nuts. Yeah. Where'd you get the laughing gas from? One of them's probably a dentist. Oh, yeah, he does yeah, have a dentist. Yeah. I, I forgot that. He's got a personal he a doctor, and a doctor and a personal doctor. And then that hot woman. Yeah, the the one who produced The Godfather, yeah. or her husband produced The yeah, Godfather, yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. she shows up. What was her name? Was uh, Hasia. Yeah. Hasia, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they start throwing parties and raising money in Hollywood. They show all these Hollywood parties and these fucking sweaty yuppie fucks meditating and bouncing around their living room with 
plates of cocaine behind him, probably. <laughs> Ideally. And uh, the Bogwan starts like buying Rolexes and shit. And he starts meeting with them without Sheila, which... She did not like that. She was not appreciative of that whatsoever. And he starts like talking doomsday stuff. And she gets the sense that he's on drugs because he's on a ton of drugs. And so this is this is the point where or no, this is where immigration steps in and he applies for a visa as a religious worker and they come up with the best defense. They're like, no, he doesn't talk. He can't be a religious leader. He doesn't even say anything. (laughs) And I honestly thought they were going to win on that because that's a compelling argument to me. But he wins. He gets his visa. That's the thing. They didn't have to overreact the way they did. Right. They won every fucking court thing that happened. And they could have just kept steamrolling the way that they were and going and it off would have in the been, direction. It would have been better for their group and probably better for the world. Yeah, yeah. I think Sheila just loved the, the power trip. Yeah. And she was just so into it. She loved the media. Yeah. She loved the attention. Yeah. For sure. And it seemed like when he's, she started getting less attention from him, she started seeking it more yeah. from the media. So it probably wasn't even that she was that into this guy. She just probably liked the attention she got from him from such a powerful person. Right. And then when that goes away, she's like, well, I'll get it from the media. Right. Same thing. Which, to her credit, I mean, that's probably healthy. <laughs> I mean, also, she loses her husband right in the beginning, so it gives the power gives her a sense of purpose oh, yeah, after all of that. She would have loved Instagram. <laughs> I, w- I would have I hearted an Instagram video of that cremation. They just burn the guy in the middle of the fucking desert. And then he knocks her out with tranquilizers for three days, and he's like, all right, now get back to yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She doesn't even get to cry about it. She's just passed out for That is some days. dystopian future form of grieving right there. It's going to be a movie called The Grieving Pill. Oh, God. And then we'll find out in those three days it feels like a thousand years. I'm going to write that fucking movie. You I'm really editing should. every second of that out so I can write The Grieving Pill movie. Uh, so, yeah, I forgot about that. Her husband totally dies. And then we laughed about it for a solid 30 seconds. Well, because it was pretty funny. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, and that's when, after they lose the visa thing, that's when they start looking for criminal charges and the immigration fraud thing comes up, which was pretty crazy. They would just send people to, like, various parts of the country to get married and come back where those people would just rejoin their actual husbands and wives. Right. And it was just a thing to keep people in the country, which... If you're doing that much work, I feel like you've earned it. There should like citizenship should either be like the legal channels or like what did you go through <laughs> to fool us? And if there's a checklist of like I did this 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 and we're like fine, you really want it. And that's yeah, what we want out of you. Yeah, but also these people, you know, from a governmental standpoint, these people aren't really being productive members of society. They're just kind of sitting around getting high and having sex with each other right, on a ranch. Pro- productive so members do of we really society. want them in the country? No. Do we really want me in the country? Well, that's what I was, that's what I was going to say. That's kind of just what I do. Am I going to get deported? Where am I going to go? 
so the immigration fraud thing happens, and they start uh, kind of cracking down on this group. The townspeople are still getting upset over the homeless people that are there. And at one point, uh, someone in Antelope County like decides to nullify all these new voter registrations, which is shitty. That is so messed up. I can't believe that they were able to pull that off. Yeah. Like that, that is one of the most basic rights a person has. Right. Is that you're allowed to vote. And they were showing up it, to the letter of the law. Like it's not their fault you wrote the law that way. Right. Like they're just following the laws you wrote. And now they're just like, nah, but we don't know what they're up to, so we can't let them vote. That was fucking heinous. Yeah. And they deserved to lose whatever election it was. And, but when that happens, they start dropping homeless people off in Portland, (laughs) which I thought was brilliant because they were like, fine, you don't want us to have these homeless people here? You take them. And that's a whole. And these were several thousand homeless people that they had collected from right. all over the country. It's not just like two or three. And, then, and they just and they dropped, dropped them in one city. They dropped off the craziest ones. Yeah. They dropped off the troublemakers in the ones they couldn't. They interview. They show an interview with one of these homeless people that, that gets kicked out. And they ask him if he would recommend anyone coming to stay here. And his response was, don't come unless you want to be queer. <laughs> Go live on the streets of Portland, you fuck stick. He was like, I've seen dudes hugging and kissing and lesbians too. I was like, lesbians? I'm listening. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, the, the election finally happens, and this time they lose, which is a bummer, but then they also set fire to the planning office, which don't. Just try harder in the next election. Like, why escalate things to that point, they send the environmentalist poison chocolates, which I thought that was kind of funny. Kind of yeah, funny. That was great. And uh, but Sheila starts breaking down. They wiretap the Bogwan's room, yeah, and hear him talking about uh, talking to the doctor about a humane way to die. And Sheila gets the sense that he's going to basically kill himself. I still think that that's what he did in the end. Me too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I could see that. But she decides they need to stop it. And they launch the craziest scheme possible to stop this, which is to kill his doctor at like a fucking rally or something in front of him. At a rave. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This doctor, they sneak up on stage and just jab him with a needle full of poison. The Australian woman does it. Yeah. It's full of adrenaline. Oh, was it yeah, adrenaline? Yeah, it's just a, adrenaline so they were straight to, to the booty. They were yeah. trying to give him a heart attack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's he, so great. He did fail to die, though. <laughs> yes. I like that their plan was like, how should we murder him? And they were like, let's just murder him. Let's just, you know, walk up, <laughs> fucking stab him yeah. with a thing, get the fuck out of there. Toss the syringe, hope it doesn't stick in whoever you have to toss it to, because there was an operative who had to pick up the syringe and take it away. <laughs> And then, yeah, she stabs him with this syringe and just, like, hangs out. Like, what's going on with you, dude? (laughs) Feeling wobbly? But he lives. Which, there's an interview later with Sheila where they ask her about it. And she goes, well, did she do a good job? (laughs) And he goes, well, the guy's still alive. And she goes, well, then she didn't do a good job. (laughs) What kind of answer is that? (laughs) One that admits guilt, probably. (laughs) 
So this is where things really go off the rails. Sheila leaves and goes to 1980s Germany because that seems like a swinging place to be. And she and the Bhagwan basically go she to She takes war. her own followers because now she's got her own followers. Right, right. She takes all of her followers to Germany. Uh, the Bhagwan stays in Oregon and starts just criticizing the shit out of Sheila. At one point, they show him a video of her criticizing him, and he says she's on drugs. She's on hard drugs. And it's like, I think you're on hard drugs, yeah, dude. it's the other way around. You seem to be on very hard drugs. And uh, so Hasia becomes the Bhagwan's new personal secretary. And now it's everyone at the compound. We hear again someone say, it's the fear of the unknown that I don't like. But this time it's the people in the compound who are like, we don't know what's about to happen here. Right. Because it was a crazy, like, this is when law enforcement really starts cracking down on them too. Probably why... Sheila left the country, but also probably because the Bhagwan starts going, yeah, you know, all the bad shit that happened here, she did it, and I had nothing to do yeah, with it. Yeah, he breaks the silence very conveniently to just point the finger at her. Right. And it's like, dude, no one's going to believe you didn't have anything to do with this. What the fuck is wrong with you? Right. That was such a such an ill-advised move to just admit to all this criminal wrongdoing that happened on your watch, but say, no, this woman who fled to Germany did it all. No one's going to fucking believe that. Right. And they didn't believe it. The FBI shows up and raids the place. Somehow they don't burn it to the ground uh, like Waco, which but that would have happened later yeah. at, at one point. Uh, so, yeah, they just kind of go to war. He starts talking all this shit about her and they, they find these recordings, boxes and boxes and boxes of recordings where Sheila had been maybe Sheila, maybe the Bhagwan, we don't know, but basically every room in this compound was wired for sound, as were several locations throughout the town. Yep. They just start finding listening devices all over the fucking place. At one point, they call it the biggest illegal wire tapping scheme in U.S. history, but they also say that about every crime these people committed. Everything they did is the biggest in U.S. history. It's like, that can't possibly be true. <laughs> they can't be this good no. at crime. But so that that's episode five. This is the part where I started to feel like it was getting a little long. It yeah, was starting, really starting to drag. Yeah. Right I, now in the podcast, it's starting to drag. <laughs> well, yeah, well. because it, it gets it, it gets into them like fleeing and getting yeah. arrested. And, you know, no one's. You you kind of know you can tell from the interviews that everyone's mostly okay, right? Like it everyone's kind of anticlimactic. Yeah, too, yeah. Everyone's out and free, and everything's fine. Even if they went to prison, you know they're out already. And I mean, we find out the Bogwan. This blew my mind. They they start planning this big fucking assault on this compound, and the Bogwan. Uh, I can't decide if it's the smartest thing or the worst thing, but he decides to just fly the fuck out of there on a Learjet. Like no one's going to notice two Learjets <laughs> right. landing in rural Oregon and taking off with the government surrounding you. But on the one hand, that kind of diffused the situation mm -hmm. because then there was no need to go in and do this big siege to get him because he removed himself from there. But also, what an what a perfect way to get yourself caught. Right. Like, 
we track planes, dude. You can't just fly one freely without telling people where you're going. So they get him, they arrest him, and then they deport him. And at one point, there's a reporter who's like, why didn't you just let him leave? <laughs> like, yeah. If he was leave, why, if that and was... he's like, well, that's not the way we do things in the United States. Well, that's stupid. Just <laughs> let, him, let him leave and say he can't come back. Right. And if he comes back, he has to face these charges. Because isn't that, that what they did to Jane, the other the lady who tried to? No, nah, you can't. You can't. That's what just they did let, to fucking Roman you Polanski? You can't let people escape. That's not. That's not. You got to set an example. Nah, you don't though. Nah, you do. You and don't. He still ended up back in India. So whatever they did try to prove, they didn't really succeed. Yeah, he ended up back in India. Sheila ends up. We find out at one point that she is. They were like. Well, we knew we needed to execute this warrant fast because she was 50 miles from the Swiss border. And once she crossed that border, she couldn't be extradited. Why the fuck didn't she just go to Switzerland? She really should have. What the hell? You stop 50 miles from a place you can't be extradited from. Why? What was so appealing about fucking West Germany? I get that it was the cooler Germany in the 80s, but still, just go to Switzerland. That was an odd choice. What a dummy. So... Yeah, the rest of the documentary, it just kind of goes into the trial, uh, the the former mayor of the city who ends up informing on them, of course, snitches dig ditches, dude. <laughs> but they only did, they really only got the one guy to inform, and yeah. he looked like the guy I would expect to go inform <laughs> on them, absolutely. So he nailed that role. And then episode six happens, and it's more of the same. I really feel like this could have been three or four episodes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. There's a lot of this we didn't need. And he dies eventually. Yep. Osho dies. But his, his legacy lives on at the Osho International Meditation Resort and Guest House, which uh, you can look up reviews on TripAdvisor as we speak. Should we read some? Sure. Uh, unworthy. It needs a prior booking or else they don't even allow you to peek inside. From the looks of it, foreigners get preferential treatment as against Indian visiting this place. Basically, one who can donate well will be respected. I mean, yeah, it's a place where they like Rolls Royces. Yeah. I, I, Are we surprised that they value money right. at a resort? I think that's how resorts work. Yeah. It's got resort right in the name. <laughs> You know, just because you're meditating doesn't mean it's free. It's <laughs> not how resorts work. But here's a positive review. A big yes to life. Every new experience at OIMR took me by surprise and left me with memories of lifetime. Come on. Oh. It's a place that offers more than just meditative experience. A wide array of body, mind, healing therapy, soothing silence amidst nature, swimming spas to fun-filled nightlife events, and much more. It had everything. You will leave the space rejuvenated and fresh inside out. Ooh. Ugh. Internally fresh. Oh, God. Come to Osho International Meditation Resort and get fresh. I don't know. Could you guys could you guys fall for something like this? No. 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 We're I would too, the minute I found out his yeah. name meant God, I'd yeah. be like, "No, who are you? This is weird." <laughs> <laughs> I want nothing to do with this. Yeah, I wouldn't like I could see trying out meditation at some point, but 
taking it this far. It's for law. You know, there's so many lost souls just looking to identify with something. Mm-hmm. You know, people that you know don't have families or are just kind of floating through the universe. Yeah. It's, and, you know, that's, I think, who it really takes advantage of. Yeah, people want to feel connected Connect- to someone. There's people that say that's kind of the root of addiction, that yeah. it's more yeah. people don't have connection to anyone and they just connect with whatever that feeling is. Right. So, I don't know, maybe when I feel like I want to quit drinking, <laughs> maybe I'll go to the Osho International Meditation Resort and Guest House. <laughs> And I will leave a scathing TripAdvisor review if it doesn't go well. Scathing. <laughs> so let's, uh, last thing, let's talk about what the documentary left out. Jess found an article called Nine Raj Niche Followers on What Wild Country Got Wrong. It's on thecut.com. And most of what they talk about is just, well, they didn't show what the everyday life was like right. and why people were going there. I'm which sure is, also Osha was speaking. He was giving lectures. What do you mean? At the at the ranch. Oh yeah, they yeah. did. Yeah, they didn't show any of that. They didn't. They really focused on the politics of it. Yeah, they didn't talk about any of what was compelling. It wasn't about even it. about him at all. No. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't because he's still kind of a revered figure right. in that. Yeah. In that circle, like it's one of the first that on it right on his Wikipedia page. They're like the things this guy came up with like changed everything for that that circle, and it's like. They really do gloss over that. And they they gloss over it in a way that makes him seem just mostly bad. Yeah. A lot of people found out about him and got into his message after his death. Yeah. So, you know, like my husband and I, we didn't know anything about this. Yeah, they, they really gloss over that, I think, in favor of making the people who followed him just seem a little weird. Yeah. And crazy when it was... Like, that was a very common thing back then. People would go to these retreats and, you know, follow these people. And sometimes it was bad. Sometimes it was good. But they didn't talk about any of that. They didn't talk about why people were going and what it was doing for them being there. They made it kind of seem like people were just like, we get to live for free, baby. This is great. But there was obviously more to it than that. And then kids. This this article points out they don't mention the kids at all. Not one of them gets inter- interviewed. And yeah, they don't they don't fucking mention kids at all and it turns out uh it was a weird situation for kids. They interview one of the women they interview, her name is Hyra Bluestone. Sure. <laughs> and uh she mentions she was an airplane mechanic at the age of 9. <gasps> what? <laughs> if someone offered me an airplane mechanic job now, I'd be like, no, I might get hurt. Right. <laughs> so was there a school on the premises? She said I... there was a school, but it was kind of like not mandatory. It seemed oh. very choose your own adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there wasn't like a lot of formal education. And the kids all lived in their own house, separate from their parents. She said there wasn't like physical abuse but there was some verbal and mental abuse, and then there were kids who just wouldn't see their parents for a week at a time because kids were all kept in a separate house. And the documentary doesn't mention that at all. Which and would have been interesting to know and yeah, hear more about. What are these kids doing when their parents are fuck-tackling each other and like <laughs> flopping around to Beach Boys songs or whatever? Like, 
where were the kids? You never see the kids, yeah. and you know there's tons of kids there. Right. And yeah, it is kind of fucked up that the documentary, because I feel like if that part was included, a lot of people would have been a little less sympathetic. Right. Because that's child labor. Right. A nine-year-old should not... I certainly don't want a nine-year-old working on a plane I'm going to be flying in. Right. And just for general safety reasons, you don't want kids fucking with stuff like that. Right. And But they showed it more as a, hey, look, the women are doing construction jobs. That's progressive, right? And it's like, yeah, kind of. But also, we didn't see the kids driving bulldozers. We didn't see the kids doing anything except for in the pictures. Like, there were yeah. pictures of, like, I think there was one picture of Jane with her kids and and... But I think that was it, really. You saw yeah. pictures with kids, and none of them were doing anything in them. Show us more kids. <laughs> that, Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, that would have been a way to justify making this as long as it was. Right. If they hadn't focused just so much on the I wish they had the just interviewed one kid as an adult. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't even do that. They just interviewed the adults as older adults. <laughs> right. and, and most of them still believed what they believed then. Yeah. Yeah. Except for the Australian woman whose son almost died, I think. We left that part out, how she flew to Australia. She had to go. Oh, yeah. She had to go uh, back to court. Yeah. And, uh, and they, they let her go. And they let her go. Well, that was nice of them. Yeah. I think her son did die, actually. Yeah. Sheila probably poisoned him. Oh, I mean. She tried to poison the gray-haired lady. Back off, that's Sheila. That's true. I kind of forgot that happened. But she... she, she uh, I don't think she was any longer a believer, right? Right. She I don't was, think she yeah, was either. She let go of it. Because she was kind of like, I don't know if I missed the message where I became enlightened, but I don't think it ever happened. And yeah. She went yeah. back to her family and, and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Which, like, good for her. Yeah. And she's like, and my parents still loved me after, and that's great. I'm like, good for you. That's the thing about a lot of these cults. As long as they don't end in mass suicides, people tend to just sort of figure they it out. They move on, right. yeah. Yeah. Like, that was the deprogrammed documentary there were all those people who got kidnapped and then there were so many more who were just like yeah it kind of fizzled out like any other relationship it's after like a while a phase in one's up. life yeah so what we're saying is if your kid joins a cult don't overreact <laughs> just let it play out see what happens yeah that's the message here <laughs> we should wrap this up yes we uh I don't know when the, we'll have another episode up. I have to move and I have to go on tour. So I'm recording a bunch of shit ahead of time and just posting it all. And then I'm not talking to anybody for weeks. I have to give birth tomorrow or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I was sure it would happen today. Today or tomorrow. Probably, yeah. Anytime and, uh, now. I'll Do it doing, at your leisure. Oh, that's my plug. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be at Cedar sinai Hospital. <laughs> Having a baby. <laughs> Nice. Jess, do you have anything to plug? You having I, a baby? I'm not having a baby. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> I mean, you can listen to my other podcast, Fairytale Menagerie. That would be cool. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, unpops.com or patreon.com slash unpops. Uh, go there and give us money. Help keep us afloat. And also, I'm going to be on tour, or I might already be done with tour by the time this happens, but... If not, May 16th through the 20th, I'll be in the Midwest with Chet Wild. We'll be in Chicago, Minneapolis, the place in Iowa where they filmed Field of Dreams, Wichita, Kansas, and Kansas City, Missouri. And then we're coming back home to you, California. Mm. 
All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Mon Rock, say goodbye. Goodbye. Jess, say goodbye. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.